Hey everyone, welcome to the P2 podcast. Uh, back with Bryce and I, it's been a while. Uh, I'm gonna discuss some of uh, the articles. One specifically that we're gonna go over today is um, you don't train hard, right? This is an older article that Bryce wrote that I really, really liked a lot and I think it's super pertinent. Um, keep in mind that you can listen to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, um, all the other fucking podcasts that we can subscribe to as Bryce so eloquently put it moments ago. Um, make sure that, you know, anyone who will take our money, anyone who will take our money, um, you can listen to it there and, um, you know, hope you guys enjoy this for sure. No. Yeah. I think that is a much better introduction than I could have ever done. So that's beautiful. Um, like what Chris kind of said, we're just going to take a little bit of a different route than what I normally have done before with this podcast, where it's been more conversational, having guests on, obviously we can, either one of us can be the guest in this, in this scenario, but, um, we are going to just kind of use an article that I wrote as as a launching pad for where the conversation is going to go. And from there, we'll just kind of see what rabbit holes we fall down into. So um, I did write an article a few months back called You Don't Train Hard. And in that article, I do touch on a few different points that I've noticed as a coach over the years, um, specifically people not training very hard. And not training as hard as they think that they're training and then some strategies that you can use as a coach but also as a client if you're coaching yourself or if you're just someone who really enjoys training to kind of circumvent a lot of these problems that are inevitably inevitably going to present themselves whenever you are in the gym you are trying to progress you are attempting to train hard uh, most people just severely undershoot that because they don't know what training hard actually feels like and what that actually means um so that i think is a good point for us to start some of like the back and forth. And Chris, I know that you had a couple of questions that you had on the article. And I think maybe if you just throw some of those questions at me, that will at least get the conversation started. And then we'll, again, just see where this goes. For sure. No, um, I'll just say, I mean, I like this article a lot because I think that like everything in the world, um, there's that pendulum shift, right? What's important, what's not important. Um, before, you know, when people first started seeing like Jacked, Arnold Schwarzenegger and et cetera, people of the world, it was, you saw their training. The training was really much, that was the, the focal point of the world. If I want to look like this person, I need to go train like this person, right? And diet could have been neglected. People were eating, you know, trash, dirty bulk became a big thing. Um, and I think that the, the, the climate has definitely shifted to diet being like the penultimate, right? If you find people who are on weight loss journeys, people who want to to change their lifestyle in a more fit or healthy fashion or more di- or fit healthy direction. Typically you go, well, I need some help with my diet. I need a meal plan. I need this, right? The, the training part, I think we kind of th- toss aside because, well, that's the easy part. It's the fun part. Um, but I think when that happens, that intentionality is lost. The idea of like, hey, like you can have the best diet in the world, but if you're not utilizing the fuel you're giving to your body in the most, uh, you know, efficient for you right way uh you know you're kind of leaving a lot on the table and so i think as coaches it's really interesting you know helping people come in and i think in helping people it's a lot about the psychological part thinking around people and so one of the big things i had that the article touches on i think very well is how to coach around the the fallibility of a human you know coming in a client coming in saying hey i'm an advanced you know athlete i've been training for a decade plus six days a week, five days a week, I go hard, right? Um, and then like you and I, of course, through experience, figure out like, no, you're, no, you're not. But like, I can't tell you, like, you're actually not. 
Um, so how do I show you that there's a lot more, you know, in there? And so I'd love to get like your perspective over the years that you've just gained anecdotally um, on how you've helped clients see their like unrealized potential in that aspect. Yeah. So actually, I think that me just kind of reading a little bit from the article will be a really good answer to, to that question and kind of get this moving in that direction. So um, some observations from where I'm coming from here. The first step in this process comes via deep self-reflection and honest evaluation of your past and current output compared to what's theoretically possible. In all the years I've been coaching, there have only been a handful of clients come to me in what I would consider to be a truly ready state, that of being able to accurately judge and modulate effort. The overwhelming majority come in viewing themselves as advanced, quote unquote. They claim to be running some sort of high intensity, quote unquote, split while reporting that they're looking for something harder, quote unquote, that will push them further, quote unquote. Um, I feel like I'm saying quote unquote in the wrong position, but obviously all of that is kind of mocking the fact that most people have no fucking idea what training hard means. They don't know what harder means. They don't know what further means. They don't know what high intensity means. They don't know what advanced means. They have no clue what any of these terms actually mean, but they assign themselves those categorizations. So the harsh reality is that by my, my definition, mine, very few people would actually qualify as advanced, which I define to be being able to take any movement to concentric failure without critical technique breakdowns. Most views of high intensity are actually closer to high volume with some drop sets sprinkled in here and there. And wanting to be pushed harder is generally just lip service that everyone thinks a new coach wants to hear. Once the data is collected and the bullshit is filtered, the truth comes out very quickly and it's often very far from what's first reported. So that is a lot of my observations with pretty much every client that I have coming in. Um, there are some people that come in, they're like, you know what? I know that I don't train as hard as I need to be training. And that's why I want to hire a coach. That's why I want to kind of outsource my training to you so that you can hold me accountable. You can kind of be that, that guiding light to where I need to be going. Most people will never admit that. Most people think that they should be, or that they are training hard, that no one outworks them, especially whenever we're talking about competitors, um, physique athletes, you know, performance athletes, whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes they just need to be humbled. You know, they need to be humbled. And I think that there are a lot of ways that you can implement humbling tactics into a training program really early on if you're a good coach and know how to do those things. I've talked about this before. I think that the leg press is the absolute best humbler that you can ever have. But even with that, you know, it's it's just very difficult to get someone who doesn't know how to train to push to the levels of intensity that we as coaches need them to push towards. Um, and because of that, there are a lot of kind of like handicaps that I, I put on training programs just with the assumption that most people are not going to train nearly as hard as the program is asking of them. So with that being said, I'm going to compensate for that with, you know, a little bit more volume here, maybe, you know, slightly higher frequency here, maybe just a, a, an intensity technique here, even though I know that they're probably not pushing that intensity technique as hard as I want them to be pushing it. Um, so there are a lot of different tactics. And I, I do go into a little bit more detail later on in the article about just different ways that I, as a coach would go about alleviating some of those issues. And then also, obviously, if you're coaching yourself, um, but I don't know, what about you? What are your thoughts there? No, I mean, I love it. I think that, um, it's funny because I think you look at, and like we do in most things that I, the dynamic that is us, um, very, very 
I should say, like the scientific aspect, right? The approaching of this mixed in with the psycho psychological aspect of it. And a lot of mine is definitely a lot more anecdotal in the way that um, it's my experience of training with you, right? So like my background is all like athletically geared and based training, right? The idea of going and pushing anything near failure in that capacity aside from like training day, you know, testing day was was not something I did definitely on a regular basis. And so shifting from a field sport to an aesthetic sport and training with somebody who had been training for, you know, at that point in time already, you know, at least hard, almost 10 years at that point in time, right? Like it was, it was a while. Um, but, you know, with that being said, like I remember leg press. I remember. And so like for me, it's not about like, oh, like here's the submax volume. It's like, no, dude, I remember what I used to think I could do on a leg press and what I was able to do when Bryce was standing next to me with his hand on it. Like, don't rack it. Like, you got it. Like, you got to keep going, right? And then you get to 16, 18 reps of the load that you thought you could get 10 with. And you're like, fuck. Like, you can't stand up, right? You have to wait a second. Um, and like the article mentions later on, like, it's not something you need to go and do over and over again. But I know I tell my clients the same thing. I'm like, hey, listen you pushing this hard, you getting too close to failure, you getting within two RIR, three RIR on your, you know, top set of leg press, even though I'm scripting you one, is still probably way better than most people are doing, right? The idea that someone is fucking insane enough to push themselves in, in solo in the gym by themselves to one rep reserve, technical failure or whatever on a leg press is just slim. You know, it, it's not going to be something that you see present often. Um, and so I think, like you said, and you show here, like just the progression over time and then saying, hey, listen, like, let's get a spot. Let's really gun this. Like, and you're still probably going to come up short. You're still going to probably come up shy just because your brain is going to give something and you're going to be like, fuck this, I'm dying. Yeah. But like, the framework is set. You now know what you're capable of. So if you're like, hey, I was doing three plates for set to 10, but then I did it for fucking 17. Now when I have two plates on, now when I have three plates on, I'm like, it feels hard. I know it's not, right? I know that this is like an intensity on the mental side, not on the the body taxation side. Yeah, and I I do have a problem with a lot of people who um who kind of fall on the side of, of training intensity where they just say that everything should be max effort all the time. I have a problem with that because that's not actually teaching anyone to think while they're training. Um, I, if you want to be just like a brute and a caveman, whenever you're in the gym, that's totally fine, but don't expect to make long-term progress doing that shit. Right? Sure. You might be able to make temporary acute progress. If you have really good genetics, you might be able to take that relatively far, but training like an asshole is going to get you hurt and you're not going to learn how to train either. So for as many people like to say like, oh, like if you don't train to fa train to failure, then you're a pussy. It's like, that's fine. I guess. If you're an absolute hyper advanced athlete who is on professional bodybuilding stages, you've been training for 20 plus years, your volume is super low, you're hitting each muscle group once a week, sure, train every single muscle, every set <clears throat> failure, because that person can actually probably take those sets to failure. They probably understand what that means, right? Someone who's been training for two fucking years and has 20 sets on a single leg day and then their coach saying, take every set to failure. That is, it's just so lazy. It's so lazy that it like almost pisses me off because that's someone who doesn't know how to train already. Two years in, they don't know how to train. They're a beginner. They need to be learning these things, right? 
And then you have a coach that comes in and is just like, every set needs to be absolutely as hard as it can be to failure. Don't even worry about how many reps you're getting. Blackout. Go as hard as you can. It's it's just so fucking stupid because you're not teaching them anything, right? Like, it's so easy to say three sets to failure. Right. There's no brain power associated with that on the coaches and or the clients, right? So fucking easy. It's, it's, it's so lazy. Granted, I don't want all of my clients to be like running calculations the entire time they're doing a set, right? They don't need to be overthinking that shit. But what you need to be doing as a beginner, as an intermediate, is learning how to fucking train. Like, you need to learn what your body is capable of doing. So, periodically, you need to push your body to those limits, but not all the time. Because then, you get to see how severely you're undertraining all the other all the other times that you're tra- that you're in the gym doing these, like, sub-maximal sets. Oh, I feel like I'm a joke. Um, so, like, with that, like, think about something like a leg press, you know? If you're doing three sets of 8 to 12 reps, let's say leaving three reps in the tank on each of those sets, that's totally fine. Like what you just alluded to. That is super fucking hard. On leg press, three reps in reserve is super, super hard work because you can very often get three more reps on pretty much anything that you do on leg press. There are very few people that are like, I could not have gotten a single more rep if my life depended on it. So leg press is a great homework. But what you can periodically do is every once in a while, just say, fuck it. I'm going to go as many reps as I can. Well, if you were doing three sets of eight to 12, three reps in reserve previously, and let's say that you got, you know, 11, 10, nine reps, whatever, right? So theoretically, you should have been able to get 14, 13, 12 reps if you were taking all those sets to failure. Well, if you put that same load on and you go to failure, you might get 25 reps. Something was breaking there. Something was not accurate. Your way of perceiving your intensity is severely flawed which means that all the sets that you were doing previously were 10 plus reps from failure. So yes, you're under training like a motherfucker because you don't know how to train. This is the majority of people. This is almost everybody, almost everybody, which is why you have to really think about training. If you're a coach, especially if you're a coach, you have to think about training. It's not as simple as every set to failure. Whenever your clients don't know what failure means, you're doing them a disservice. No one is is benefiting from this. Yes, you save a lot of time. Yes, your clients understand intuitively what failure is supposed to mean, but they don't understand what it feels like, especially with lower body movements, right? You can take a set of biceps curls to failure, and that's totally fine. Leg extensions, sure, you know, that's starting to become a little bit painful. Leg press, Bulgarian split squats, hack squats, hinge variations, fuck no, fuck no. Any kind of like row, most row variations, fuck no, you don't know what high rep failure feels like on those, right? And even then, a lot of of isolation, single joint movements, you can always get one more rep, generally get one more rep, you know? like So I think that whenever you're a beginner, whenever you're intermediate in those early stages, you need to learn how to train properly. And you need to almost approach it, if you're the client, if you're the trainee, you need to approach it very much from the perspective of like a student going in. Yes, I want to make progress, but I also want to learn how to make more progress in the future. How do I set myself up now to be able to best take advantage of the potential gains on the table whenever I'm most suited to take advantage of those gains, right? So again, you know, I could probably rant on this for fucking ever, but I I think that most people severely undertrained, they don't know what what failure feels like, wow. And then um, coaches are not helping that out by being lazy. Coaches are hella lazy. And like, it's funny because 
and this is just me giving them the benefit of the doubt, um, those coaches who, you know, say, hey, go to failure, go to failure, go to failure, right? I would like to believe that they're intelligent enough to at least have the foresight of like, I'm planning for the fact that none of them will, that they will not go to failure, that this is just my version of getting them to train hard. So they believe they're going to failure. But to your point, it's lazy. It doesn't give any sort of lasting conceptual technique understanding for someone who eventually wants to do this on their own, that wants to transition to something different, right? Because you take a person like myself, you at one point in time or, or anybody that has the capacity to push themselves really, really hard, right? Which obviously there's a whole digression you can go on on like what the difference in actual data intensity, right? The idea of like this was an intense set based on your work output and what you can and cannot do versus like what you're feeling, the sensory of intensity, right? Because like I can put two plates on the side of a leg press and take it to a set of 12, 15. Like that was hard, but like I can put six more plates aside, like and it will still be hard, right? So what is intensity? And that's something that coaches should be teaching their clients. It should help them understand the differentiation between the two. Uh, but again, if you have somebody that comes to you and maybe it's a mom and you have her have three sets, three sets, three sets, three sets, all to failure. And she'll probably see a shit ton of progress because she's a mom with no background. She's coming in. And for her, it's just like, go in and work as hard as you can every single day, which is going to inherently be sub max because she's still learning how to grind things out and push. But what happens when she's three, four years in and maybe she's not with you anymore. And she's like, this is how I learned how to train, but she's way stronger. So now the accumulation of fatigue, the, the beating her body takes is exponentially higher because she can train harder because she's been getting stronger over these last years, but she's taking everything to quote unquote failure now, which continues to increase over time. She never learns like, wait a second, I was training here. I learned what failure was. So now I can train here. Right. And occasionally go there. Um, and so I, 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 the easy piece I think is just like, Hey, like, you're a coach, not a personal trainer, like coach this person, teach them something. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, right? Like failure is a tool to be used in a program. And I am, I'm pro failure. I think that that's something that people probably misinterpret about my stance regarding what training to failure. I think training to failure is a useful tool if used correctly. I think that most people use it incorrectly, um, which is why I'm, I can come off being anti-failure because I think that the risks associated with training to failure recklessly too often, inappropriately, et cetera, et cetera, are going to be much steeper. Those risks are, are inherently really bad. The consequences are much worse than the other side. If you perpetually under train a little bit, right? Not saying that I want people to under train either, but just the risk versus reward there. If you're fucking up failure training, you're going to get seriously hurt. There are like, there are a lot of bad things that can come from that. If you fuck up like training 10 RAR every single set, you know what I mean? Or like, just like barely past warm up, barely breaking a sweat. Yeah. You're probably not going to make much progress, but like, you're also probably at least not going to get hurt right. provided your technique is, is sound. So that's why I am such, uh, I was kind of a fucking Nazi about this stuff. It's like, I, I hate whenever people get put in unnecessary risk. And I, I think that it's not only lazy on the coach's side, but it's also super reckless, Ex yeah. extremely reckless because they like the clients just don't know. They don't know what correct is. They're trusting those coaches. So the coach is just giving them objectively horrible information and horrible guidance. 
that's you're doing a really really bad job and you're just taking those people's money so that does like annoy the shit out of me whenever i see that stuff happening which is why i i think i've been so publicly vocal about my disdain for inappropriate applications of failure um again i think that there are certain people that should probably take every set to failure i think the percentage of that population is like 0.000001 percent right like it is very very few people i mean we're talking like the most well-developed the strongest people in the world that should be taking every single set to failure and they should also probably only be training like four times a week and like one or two working sets per body part i mean like they just don't need that much because they can create such a large stimulus that's not you that's not me right like that that is not who we're working with the majority of the time i'm i'm exception yeah, yeah, that is that's that's not who we're working with the majority of the time. And like, even for me, I, I had like a massive wake up call whenever I was younger because I thought that I was training super hard, and then I was around people that trained way harder than I did, and I was like, holy fuck, this is ridiculous! Like, I can't keep up with this. And then that sort of like warped um, my views on training intensity in general. It's like, okay, well, if my previous hard work was basically warm-ups for other people like what do i have to be doing to actually train hard then well it comes down to what your body is actually used to doing like your body adapts to whatever you throw at it so just over time you gradually raise that natural set point and that comfortability and then all of a sudden what previously was like unattainable even for a singular effort becomes like a working set intensity that you can sustain for like five sets right and that's where i eventually got i Again, going back to the light press example, I might have been, you know, taking my top max sets, so like, you know, three reps in reserve, right? right? And then over time, I got to a point where I was like, okay, shit, I can take four sets to like two or one RIR with heavy loads, like very fucking heavy loads. That sucked. It sucked. It took everything out of me. I hated doing it. I thought I was going to die. But like, there are certain things. If you feel like, okay afterwards you're not training hard enough like a leg press if you're doing a set of 15 to 20 on leg press and you stand up right after you did no that was not hard you should be laying on the floor for like minutes after that catching your breath contemplating your life all of those things right if you're not doing that you're not training hard enough and that's just it's literally that simple and it sounds like so fucking like hardcore like yeah brother type of shit you know but it's like it, but like i'm not trying to to come off like that that's the reality of the situation you know and um certain people as much as i, I can't stand the way that some people talk about training there are realities to the situation you know like if you're taking sets to failure you should be fucking seeing stars you know you, you should feel like your head's gonna explode you should feel nauseous like you should be dripped dripping sweat um you occasionally piss yourself like it yeah is. yeah no no definitely like i pissed myself before like the, like those are things that are involuntary but whenever you're pushing yourself to that level it's going to happen uh a caveat though here right is like that's not sustainable that level of effort is not sustainable which is why you don't attempt to keep all of your training at that level i guarantee if i were to watch someone train who claims to, to take every set to failure I would laugh at them like while, while they're in the gym, while they're going through their, their session. And I would pick their shit apart because they would be like, oh yeah, so we're going to do like three sets of bench press to failure. And then we're going to go to like three sets of incline dumbbell press to failure. 
then we're going to do two sets of weighted dips to failure. Then we're going to go do two sets of uh, pec deck to failure. And then we're going to go on to, to delts and then triceps. It's like, uh, you would die for one. Like you would give yourself rhabdo if you actually did train every set to failure with that volume, right? Like if someone is training with high volume, they're not training with high intensity. Yep. That's the reality of the situation. So if your training has high volume in it, so here's the easiest way I can break this down. So to be able to define and see immediately a shitty coach. If your coach gives you a high volume workout or high volume program, and then they tell you to take every set to failure, they are a horrible coach. And they don't know what they're talking about immediately. Right. Volume and intensity are their counterpoints, right? They're, they're on a seesaw. If one goes up, the other has to go down. Yeah. That is, that is the way that training works, right? There are very few variables in training that work as inverse corollaries as much. I think we're using those words wrong, but as, as like, uh, what is, what is the word I'm looking for? They're just inversely related, but uh, yeah, they're inversely related, but fuck, there's a word I'm looking for. God damn it. Um, anyways, yeah, there are very few variables in training that are as, as linearly inversely related as, um, volume and intensity. So immediately you can, you can identify a good versus bad program. If someone says, cool, you're going to do high volume and every set to failure or vice versa, you're going to do low volume and you're going to do lower intensity, right? Like those are just very bad options. So very few people are also doing low volume and low intensity because that is easy, right? Like that's easy training and no one wants to train easy. That that's just not what most people defer to. So they defer to high volume, high intensity, and one of those things has to suffer, right? Most people are still going to do all of their working sets because that's in the program. They, they're they recording that. They're seeing this. It's very quantifiable. Intensity is more, more qualitative than quantitative. You say, I think that I trained this hard. I think that I trained to failure. I took this set to failure. I think that this was one RIR, whatever. Um, but no one's going to like, like come at you if you write that in a program they don't know they weren't watching you unless you took a video of it but if one is going to go and one's going to suffer it's not going to be volume it's going to be intensity if both of those are baked into a program from the get-go so i think this is where we really run into a lot of problems whenever we're trying to communicate this with people it's we understand high volume is attractive we understand that high frequency is attractive because those are quantifiable measures of hard, right? Yeah. We understand that you're doing more, literally doing more than other people, than your than your opponents, you know, than whoever you're competing against. You're doing more, but the qualitative side, like how quality are those sets? How efficient is each set that you're doing of each unit of work? How efficient is it? People don't think about that shit. But why would you want to be in the gym more often and for longer? Whenever you don't have to, I don't understand that shit. Like it literally is like a, an ego, like chest thumping thing, right? Like, but if you can get the same out of two sets that you get out of four or five sets, why don't you just learn how to train hard, learn how to like modulate your intensity, your intensity appropriately, and then just be fucking more efficient, bro. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that I try to like echo to all my clients is that your body doesn't know weight. It doesn't know number of sets and no stimulus, right? If you can generate a stimulus with five pounds and you don't need to use 50 pounds, then you should do it with five. Like why, why, 
why bring the unnecessary risk and involvement that comes with going to 50 pounds if you don't need it? Now, granted, there's like, that's a hyperbole of situation, but people, I think, get very attached to like, well, I need to do more. More is more, right? And to the point of lazy coaching earlier, again, more is more. And it'll work for a lot of people. Like, if I don't trust you to invest yourself in learning how to train hard, then instead of giving you two and three working sets, which this would fuck up any person who was training really hard, I got to give you four, I got to give you five. And for some clients, I know for both of us, we just we have to go that route, right? I cannot count on you to do, oh, leg press, 12 to 15, 15, 15, 15 at one to two, two to three RIR. It's like, I occasionally will say, hey, like, it's not a grocery checklist, right? You're not going in there trying to move through these as fast as possible. It's also not the goal to always get the top end, quote unquote, right? It's what you're shooting for. But if you can get it over and over again, I always say like, are you a robot? Well, no. Like, okay, well, if this set was two RAR, do you think this one was? Or is this one more like four? Was this more like five, right? And then if that's the case, then maybe we need to like adjust the, the load that we're using, right? So we are staying in those ranges. If you come back to me and it's week four, week five of a program, and you're still hitting the top end of all the rep ranges, I'm like, well, you're not doing this right, right? And so now it's like, either eventually I teach you how to train hard, or I go, why did I throw more volume at you? Because eventually I'll just tire you the fuck out. I, we will get to failure. I will push you to that point. But do I have to do it in 12 weeks, 15 weeks? Or can we actually do this in a six to eight week block where we have the opportunity to pull back and either go into a more uh a less intense phase or a deload etc to allow you to actually recover from it before the the mental fatigue the painstaking aspect of like i've been training the same thing for the last 10 to 12 weeks like well yeah because you've been fucking being a pussy you've been just sandbagging this whole time right um which i think also begs the question which i thought about earlier is like can you even tell someone like you're you're being a pussy you're not training hard like if you want this can you need to do this, right? Is there a space for that to do anymore? Well, I think it really comes down to like the psychology of your client. Um, I, I think, well, if you're a coach who's works with a lot of clients like we have, you understand which people you can have those conversations with versus who that would not go over well with. Um, but at the same time, like I, I have clients I've had and I currently have clients um, who I just, I understand that they are perpetually going to undertrain, like they're never going to train as hard as I need them to train. And rather than continuing to bang my head against a wall and continuing to have the same conversations with those people over and over and over again, and expect that they're going to suddenly wake up one day and have this revelation about how to train, because I can't fucking do it for them. Right. So rather than doing that, I'm just gonna say, you know what, I'm going to plan in the program, a game plan for this understanding that they're going to undershoot the desired intensities. Not what I want, not very efficient, but it is what it is. This is who this person is. And I'm going to just give them a little bit more volume. I'm going to structure things in a way that is kind of making up for the fact that they're not training as hard as I would like them to train. Granted, again, that is not what I would prefer to be doing. I prefer that they would just listen to what I'm saying. And I prefer that they would, again, just wake up one day and realize how to fucking train. But it's not feasible for most people. There are other clients or other people who you can just have that conversation with and be like, bro, look at this video that you already sent me. You're saying that this is one RIR. You could have gotten 10 more. You're severely undershooting this. You're training like a pussy. 
and that would be received well, right? Like it's constructive criticism. Um, granted, you know, the, the, the delivery is important as well. So, you know, maybe I'm a little harsh on that, but, um, yeah, I think that some people need to hear it. Some people need to be like knocked off that pedestal because they think that they train so fucking hard and then you give them an actual hard program and they're like, well, where's more? I need more. Like, I need more volume. I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And you're like, are you actually following the program as it's explicitly laid out? And it is explicit. The way that we program is fucking clear. It is detailed. Like, there's nothing left up to interpretation. Like, it is spelled out exactly what you need to be doing. So if someone is not getting a lot out of the program as it's laid out, they're messing something up. They're fucking it up, you know? And the one thing that I always go back to is like, the programming does not have to be super fucking out there and like crazy wild and like throwing every single weird variation and intensity technique and like all over the place with like the different design principles that it that it employs. Like it can be super simple and straightforward and still be incredibly effective. Like I can I can probably do a program that is literally three by like let's just say like leg press three by ten, barbell RDL three by ten. Bulgarian split squat, three by 10, lying like girl, three by 10. That is probably like the, the most basic program you could ever think of for a lower body day. And I guarantee you, I could do that and be fucked up and make progress on that for like half a year, like without doing anything different other than just slowly adding load over time. Like I could make a ton of progress because I know how to train because I've been doing this for a very long time, right? It has nothing to do with like, how extravagant the programming is. Granted, some people need very specific things in their program. That is that is true. Very, very, very specific things. If you're working around an injury, if you're a physique athlete, if you have very, very detailed, um, refined needs, you're gonna you're gonna need your program to match that. You know that's that's the reality of the situation. I say that I can make a lot of progress off of that program, but I would probably start to break down because my body is just old and broken. So like maybe I was stretching the truth a little bit, but. Um, I, I do think that there is this like expectation that a lot of people have whenever they see a program that the program is going to do the work for them. You have to do the work. If you are training, if you're the one that is following a program, you have to get the most out of that program. The program is there as a guide. The coach is there as, as your shaman, your shepherd, yep. whatever, right? You know, they're, they're leading you in the right direction. They're giving you the the testament, right? They're they're telling you just follow this shit, please God, follow it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm super very godly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that like it's just there is that aspect of of feeling like like the program is going to like stand up and grow legs and just like do the workout for you, and you're just gonna be able to like kick back and watch it all happen, right? Um. I guess in a sense, in a sense, it's very similar to like PEDs where people just expect PEDs to do everything for them. And they also see other people who are on PEDs and they just assume that it's all PEDs and it's not that person actually knowing, knowing what the fuck they're doing. And they're actually adhering to a good diet and eating enough protein, getting enough sleep, having a good training program that they actually know how to use, right? There's a lot that goes into this stuff and your program is only as good as you make it. And Again, as coaches, that's very frustrating because I put a lot of pride into the way that we design programs and like the effort and the detail and everything that goes into it. I know that you put a lot of pride into that and all of the coaches put a lot of pride in that too. And like we put a lot of value on all of the things that we do regarding programming. 
So it does suck sometimes to like just have that fall a little bit flat whenever it's used or whenever a client actually runs through it because they're not taking full advantage of that program or the way that we're actually intending it to be done. So if there is anything that like I would just beg of people is again, you know, just learn how to actually train, learn what these things feel like. Don't overestimate yourself, right? Like, I think that the best, the best route to go with this is just assume that you're probably going to assume that you're probably going to like think that you're training harder than you are. Um, that's not, that's not always going to be the case, right? Like some people do actually train really, really fucking hard, but those people are few and far between. Um, but there, there's always room for improvement, right? And even for me at, at my absolute strongest, at, at my absolute most quote unquote intense, I still wasn't training as hard as I probably should have been, you know, or according to like what my program laid out and looking back on that, I'm like, I don't know how I could have fucking trained any harder without yeah. dying. So there are, again, there, there's give and take here, but, um, but yeah, just, there's so much that fucking goes into this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, to your point, I think the thing I, and I want Ben to clip that like 30 seconds ago, cause you, you added some words out there. Yeah. But no, um, learning. Like I like, and the act of learning is the asking of questions when you don't understand something, right? The kind of unveiling of relinquishing of the the ego, the bravado, whatever you have coming in. Like I know what I'm doing. You're just here to to give me more, and as opposed to being like a true pupil in it and saying, "Hey, like I trust you as an expert. I'm giving you hundreds of dollars a month, and so when you tell me something, if I don't understand it, I'm going to ask." I'm not going to pretend because I'm afraid to come off as less advanced than I just told you I was. Um, and in that learning process and asking those questions, truly making it a more collaborative experience, truly learning how to train. Because as a coach who does put a lot of pride into my coaching style, our coaching style, what our company stands for, um, whether it's the jokes, it's the notes, it's the tempo uh, dictations, it's, hey, you know what? I'm not just going to give you a bunch of basic movements. I understand the psychological aspect here and the fact that like it gets stale and people want to be excited about their programs. If I give you something that makes you feel more advanced because it's kind of got some setup here and you look kind of cool and it's Instagram worthy, then I might get you to try a little harder. I might get you to push a little more because it's more quote unquote fun. Um, but I think like it's just kind of, like you said, lost on people thinking like, oh, well, like the PEDs will do the work, the program will do the work. If the program's not working, then it's the program. It's not me going in and just training. And it's like, dude, like there are people way before all the novelty of training, all the new machines that were jacked as fuck, just doing the basic shit, right? Just squat, deadlift, press. Like they would just do it, rinse, wash, repeat over and over and over again to get jacked. And they didn't have the toys, tools, and, you know, influencers that we have giving us all these ideas in this, this toolbox. So um, as a coach who puts that kind of effort in that I'm not only taking consideration your zeal, but also your goals, and I'm finding an opportunity to then diagram and marry those, it definitely does suck. Like you said, it lands flat. And when you get someone coming back and they give you something, you're like... I was really fucking excited about this program. Yeah. I was really excited to see what you're going to do with it. And then you almost, and I never could because I just, I think it would be boring and I don't think that there's inherently that much value in it. You almost go, I get why people ship out these fucking PDFs. Yeah. Right. 
get white people just go fuck it they're not gonna do it anyway so like just i'm just gonna send them this put less effort into that and maybe put more effort into the thing that quote unquote excites them like diet because they're gonna lose weight and they're gonna feel like they're making changes because now they're tracking their food and they're using my fitness pal and they feel so fitness now that like that's the part that gets them excited and I'm not going to invest my time and energy in something that like inherently is going to be an afterthought because what happens is you bring me back this like subpar data and I'm like, now I'm less excited about the progress, the progress. Now I'm less excited about the update, right? Because I want the collaborative experience. I love training clients like a Marissa Creatura, right? Like someone who would go beat the shit out of themselves in the gym and come back. And my job now as a coach is to tell you, hey, let's not do that again. But I fucking like it. I like that. I like that you took this program and you tried to maximize it. And so now my job now is to protect you and take the efforts you have and put them in a more constructive way that will allow for the sustainability of this program. So we can continue to push this for multiple weeks and you're not just wrecked day in and day out. Um, those people are fun to coach. Uh, and I think that obviously begs another question of like, for the people who are not the majority of us, who, and I know for you and I, we had a, a phase where like it was our goal to like crawl out of the gym like it would be our text the next day we're like bro my fucking boots bro my, my like it was like it was a badge of honor to be just fucked up day in day out to be limping in and out of the gym on the way into a new session you're still limping from what you did three days ago um and i think there's psychological things there's the demons that we're battling there's the the competition aspect of training together um, but then there is that aspect of just like wanting to be the best, wanting to be better than the version of you yesterday and the guy next to you. Um, how do we as coaches reel that in and say, Hey, listen, like, I appreciate this, but like, this isn't sustainable, right? Like you actually are one of those people who can train to failure and you are going to push yourself because you have that like mental switch you can flip off. How do I protect you from you make sustainable progress? Um, and you know, really bring this thing back into a, uh, I guess just a more fitting situation. Well, I think you have to play off of the clients that you have. And if you have a client that is capable of training at those intensities and pushing themselves that far, I think you need to le lean into it a little bit, but also kind of give them a little bit of an olive branch here or there and frame it in a way that is a little bit more conducive psychologically, but say, hey, here is where I'm just going to unleash you. Go do your thing. Go for broke train as hard as you fucking want to that's fine but then also build like more volume into the program right because especially whenever we're dealing with people who are not on the olympia stage people who are not like you know 250 pounds of lean body mass and deadlifting 800 pounds for reps right like mostly not who we're dealing with so those people just need more volume to continue to grow or the people that we're dealing with need more volume to continue to grow right the 99.999 percent of the population so even if they're capable of taking every single set to failure or beyond with good technique and, you know, they're not putting themselves at risk of, of unnecessary injury and all of the check check boxes are, are, you know, ticked. I still think that it is reckless to tell that person. And it's honestly, it's suboptimal to tell that person to take every set to failure because they're going to be leaving a lot of volume on the table. And at a certain point, that volume or every additional unit of volume is going, going to be more stimulative than every additional unit of intensity for them, right? Say a 120-pound girl, she can potentially take every single set to failure. And you mentioned Marissa. I have worked with Hannah, 
forever. And she's someone who I've historically had to like reel back in because she can train so hard. And over the years, like we've kind of gotten to a point where it's like, all right, mutual agreement. We get, we get that this is a thing. We also understand, Hey, you know, it might not be super smart to try and do every single set as hard as you can on every single movement. Let's pick and choose. Let's be a little bit more strategic, a little bit more intelligent about how, about how we're unleashing you on this. Right. So let's just say, for example, a lower body day. All right, cool. We're going to do belt squats, belt squats, fucking go for broke, dude, do your thing. Train as hard as you want to. Let's do rest pause. Let's do cluster sets. Like, just leave it all out there. Dope. Awesome. After that, we might go into like barbell RDLs. I don't want you doing fucking rest pause barbell RDLs. I don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to take those to technical failure either. Just not my thing. Not a very great risk reward. It's just, that's the truth. So instead, we might say, all right, cool. We'll do three sets of eight to 10 reps. Leave like three reps in the tank. We're going to build more volume. It's not going to be nearly as intense, nearly as heavy. You're not going to be like frying. You're not going to feel like you're breaking, but you're going to build volume. It's stimulative. That's fine. After that, we might do, you know, one set of dumbbell walking lunges to absolute failure. Dope. Awesome. Tons of stimulus there for what we're looking for, right? Then we might do, I don't know, like, like hip thrusts, a little bit more volume. I don't know. I'm just throwing a bunch of bullshit out there right now, but you kind of get the gist there where it's it's a, a give and take game. You have to understand your clients, but you have to have those conversations with your clients. And for those people, they need to understand who they are too, right? This is where it's, it pays so much for everyone to understand how hard they're actually training, not how hard they think that they're training, because there's a huge, huge, huge difference for that. And people need to be honest. People need to be honest with themselves. People need to be honest with their friends, with their clients. Um, if you have someone who's just under training like a motherfucker and Every single time they send you a video or every every time you see them train, you're like, oh, dude, great set. You're not helping them. You're not helping them. You have to be honest. Call them out on their bullshit. Be like, oh, in your program, I see that it says two RIR. That seriously looked like a warm-up set. I don't think that you're going to be making much progress doing that if you continue doing that. So maybe, you know, reevaluate your shit. It, like, those are conversations that need to be happening. Um, again, kind of going back to like, maybe we don't call everyone a pussy to their face, but just understand how to broach that conversation, how to be honest with people, because especially as a coach, you have to be honest, because if you're not being honest then your clients are not going to be able to make progress, right? I've had a lot of people who in conjunction with trying to make a lot of progress, trying to train hard, trying to potentially get on stage, they're also working around a lot of injuries too, right? Or they have an injury history or, you know, there's something else going on in their life. Shit. Maybe they just have, maybe their mom or maybe their dad, maybe they, they have something else in their life that is also very valuable to them. Well, now all of a sudden the gym is not their life. They're not training to get a check from bodybuilding. The next time they step on stage, this isn't their full-time job. We have to add context. Do I want that person taking every set to failure? Fuck. No, I don't want that. I don't want that because that is an absolutely horrible trade-off in the event that something bad happens. Right. And you never know when something bad is going to happen because most of those things are just random. So I would prefer and inevitable, and, and, and they're inevitable. Yeah, they, they will happen. They will happen and you don't know when they're going to happen. Right. So like it's best to play it somewhat conservative and just be smarter and more intelligent with how you're programming and how you're going about implementation of that program too. So exercise selection for sure, volume for sure, making sure the recovery is, is on point for sure. Intensity is a fucking huge lever. Like that's a huge, huge lever to keeping your client safe and keeping yourself safe too. 
use that shit, right? Like if you're someone who understands that you have things that are important to you outside of the gym, don't destroy yourself or don't aim to destroy yourself every fucking time you're in the gym because you're just, you're flirting with, with disaster, right? I've been there. I've been injured seriously and it is not fun. It really impacts the way that you view the world around you. It makes you depressed as shit. It's hard to be in a good mood whenever you're always in pain. Don't put yourself in that position. It's not that serious, right? Like we all, at the end of the day, are doing this because at one point or another, we either saw it as like a health, a health issue, like like this needs to happen. Otherwise, I potentially am going to be knocking years off my life if I don't get in better shape. Or for a lot of us, it was a passion, right? Like we got into fitness because we started with sports or like maybe we just wandered into a gym one day or we picked up a magazine and we're like, dude, I love this. This is awesome. I love going to the gym. For either one of those people, if you get hurt, you, you fuck your passion and you fuck your health. So like, don't get hurt. It's not worth it, right? So this is why I'm, I continue to press. Training to failure for most people is just not a good risk reward, right? But at the same time, you have to understand how hard you're actually training to understand how far away you are from failure. Once you start getting closer, it's like, all right, now this is this is a decision. Like, I need to understand how far I need to stay away from this failure point to where I deem this to be safe and replicable over yeah. time. Um, I'm throwing a lot of things out there, I know, and I'm kind, uh, of, kind of getting like divergent, but um, I do want to just go through a couple of bullet points here just for like people who um, who want to coach themselves who are potentially like, thinking about how how to go about programming, how to go about thinking about training hard, intensity, all that stuff. So this is also from the article. Um, so at any given time, there needs to be a clear understanding of your present state, both both physically and psychologically. Both of these factors play incredibly important roles in our abilities to sustainably train hard and the periodization of your program should be set up in a way to broadly and granularly play off this phenomenon. Plan for volatility within your own motivation, energy, and effort. Train in various ranges of intensities across different rep ranges and utilizing as many exercises as possible. This will show you how accurately you're gauging your interest set effort and where your weaknesses lie in this regard. In conjunction with the above, Record as many sets as possible to combine visual assessment with sensory to create a more complete picture. Track your subjective biofeedback and objective performance data over time and look for trends in things like energy soreness, sweet sleep quality, endurance, and strength. Structure mesocycles so that some put more emphasis on intensity, some more on volume, while others allow a bit of a, of a reprieve. Structure microcycles so that you can effectively modulate recovery, balancing high effort days with equivalent recovery either via rest days or deliberate lighter sessions. Stru uh, structure each training session in a way that maximizes the stimulative effect of each unit of effort while minimizing the fatiguing effect. And most importantly of all, hire a competent coach and outsource all of this to them. So those are all really, really useful tidbits of information. Is there anything that you would add to that? No, I mean, I think that that's all leading to like my my overarching point, um, which I think will probably lead into like the only other thing I want to talk about. But I think that it's interesting because training is not hard. And then that might be why people kind of like forsake its intentionality a little bit, but it's not hard because it's really easily figure outable, right? Or, or uh, it's very, very simple. Um, you know, something works, you keep doing it, something doesn't work, you switch, right? Like in like the ideas, you just get better over time. But the thing is, is like, it's not unique in that aspect. It's very 
in conjunction with the rest of the world exactly how the world works, right? You want to get better at a job, you keep doing it, you get better at the job. You want to get better at a language, you keep studying that language. Like strong minds, strong bodies, like they're forged in adversity, they're forged in trauma, but they only get better when they're met with something that they're not already good at, right? So I thought earlier, like failure creates framework, right? Like that's that's what it is. Like understanding your failure point gives you a framework to work in. It doesn't mean that this is where you have to go, but it tells you where you can hang out and hang out for a while. Yeah. Understanding that, hey, like training hard, the overarching point of the of the article is really important. And saying, oh yeah, set fifth or well, rep fifteen of that third set really got me, and I'm like. So like rep 15 of the second set, but the first set, like what, what were those? What were we doing? Like, were we talking on the phone? Were we looking over at a friend? Like to me, I'm like, I joke with my clients all the time. I'm like, hey, if you send me a video and you have a, like a training partner in mid set, you're like laughing or talking, you're not training. Like you're not, you're not training hard. I'm sorry. Like I don't care. Tricep extensions. Bryce, you could be speaking to me about God's honest gospel. Like if I'm training hard. I won't be able to hear you. I'll be like, hey, listen, you can keep talking. I'm going to kick up pieces of it, but this is fucking hard. Like rep six, seven, eight, right? So understanding that like to get better, I'm pushing myself beyond those comfort zones. I'm pushing myself into places I haven't been so that I can get better is just really, really important. I want all, whether you're coaching yourself, you're coaching clients, like it's really important to nail that, you know, to them and say, hey, listen, like if you can do it, Chances are it's not going to push you to be better, right? Trying to be better than what you're capable of is going to push you to be better. No, I definitely hard agree with that. Hard agree. Um, no, honestly, I, I, there's a lot more in this article that we could probably go into, but I think that we touched on a lot, um, either directly or kind of, you know, in parallel. So I honestly think that that's a lot of what we wanted to talk about. Um, you get you down. I got to get you though. I got to, I got to get your point on this. Cause I think this is good. I think this is a good thing. Um, and maybe one day we do a, a more extensive, especially with like maybe like a lifestyle coach, um, specifically a lifestyle coach or in-person trainer who works at a, a commercial gym or something like that. Cause I think they'll have a really interesting outlook on it as well. Um, but I mentioned what I just said about obviously people seeking the hard, seeking the sub, seeking that adversity to grow. And I think that as a person who has, a really obese family, right? Like there are way more fat people in my family than there are fit people. It's just a lot of those things. And that's why fitness to me is uh, something that's really, really important. And sometimes I forget about it. Sometimes it is some of those things where I'm like, I'm just showing up, right? I don't even realize the impact it's had on me. Like the one day that I just was in, in college and I'm like, I'm gonna stop drinking pop, right? Like this is pop, something that's a stable, pop, juice, et cetera. Like I'm gonna start going to the gym, right? met my best friend now i'm just training every single day now it's like it's a part of my life but it's not a part of a lot of the people's lives that i care about and how do you bridge that really uncomfortable space where it's like hey like you're overweight you're fat like this isn't good um this is taking away years of your life and obviously like i think that um there are obese populations out there that can definitely say hey, they felt a level of marginalization by media by beauty standards and stuff like that i don't know if i would say that there was a lot of like fit quote-unquote people out there like running down person that was fat on the street and yelling at them right either it's definitely not the the inverse of planet fitness where like, if you walk in in a stringer or if you're big and you carry your jug around like you get looked at like you're a lump right they should have a name for a person 
uh, where like they're almost like fit shaming you out of the gym. Um, but does, is the way, because I do believe body positivity is great, but is the way that Planet Fitness and places like that are, are orchestrated is um, the body positivity movement manifestation, the way that it's been presented and carried out, is that, in your opinion, like possibly detrimental to exactly what we're talking about? It's like the idea of like, if you want to be better, if you want to be healthier, stronger, more fit, like you have to embrace the hard shit. Like going into a gym that's just pretty colors and fun to hang out with a pizza party on Fridays, while it's inclusive, is it really pushing the agenda of like health, fitness, get better, you know? Yeah, well, I... I I think that there is um there is a, a big divide between like inclusivity and like oh making everyone feel like that every issue that they have is okay right like I, I think that the same thing can be said for mental health right like accepting someone for who they are is fine but we don't have to normalize issues right like things that are seriously detrimental to either the individual or societal, right? Um, obesity is a societal problem that's quantitative. Like you can look at the data. If you're obese, if you're above a certain BMI, you will die earlier. Like that is that is true. It's not a comfortable conversation to have with people and there is typically a lot of pushback. I would say the same again. Like if someone has bipolar disorder, if they're depressed, you, they those people need to be like helped you need to be included like you you can't just like alienate someone who has mental health disorders but at the same time like they shouldn't just use that mental health disorder as a reason for being a piece of shit right like oh i'm so sorry that i like screamed at you and punched you in the face that was just my bipolar i'm good now like we can move on no that's not how this works right like no one else has to conform to what's going on in your head or to what you're doing, right? Like, we only understand what's happening to us, just like you only only understand what's happening to you, and everyone else around us only understands what's happening to them. They live in their own world. They're all the main character, right? So I do think that there is an aspect of inclusivity, body positivity. Those things are all great, right? Definitely great. No one should be made to feel like shit for who they are, even with the flaws, right? And I hate to even say it like that, like flaws, but like if you're obese, unfortunately, unfortunately, like that, that is problematic if you're, if you're obese, right? Um, I definitely think that there is an aspect of normalization of everything that severely limits how hard people are willing to work in the opposite direction to rectify whatever that is, right? So even, even success, like success is, is, being demonized in a lot of ways, right? Like you can think of it in like in terms of capitalism, you can think of it in terms of like how many people hate billionaires and things like that, right? Granted, there are reasons why people can hate capitalism, why people can hate the very wealthy. But at the same time, like I don't think that that is reason for people to just not want to be successful in life and just like be very complacent with with stasis and like be like, fuck it, I'm just going to stick with this job that pays me like $15 an hour and I'm be good for the rest of my life. Like people need to aspire to something, right? Like, like there needs to be some drive, like people need to feel like there is a purpose behind everything that they're doing. And if that dissolves, if we just make, if we make like mediocrity, okay, for everyone, I think that is a huge problem, right? Um, and, you know, I think that there's also the pushback in the other direction where people are like doing cold plunges, and people are doing like, like saunas, and people are going on like these, like, 
rucks outside you know it's like they're they're almost purposefully going the other direction to like do hard shit all the fucking time that can be physically that can be mentally that can be like you know socially um like for me like i'm someone who i, I very much like to like you know stretch my brain and i'm someone who likes to stretch my brain and think deeply about things and like learn um i also see the value in like again socially like having difficult conversations with people putting yourself in in uncomfortable spots to where you it's much easier to like avoid right it's easier to say i'll do this tomorrow i i don't have to do this i don't have to have this conversation with my friend and tell him that he's being a piece of shit and how he's treating his girlfriend and yada yada all this right um so being comfortable with where you're at is fine totally fine right but i don't think that we have to collectively say that that should be like celebrated you know so going into the gym doing hard shit learning how to push yourself hard whether that is physically whether that is you know in in intellectually <laughs> intellectually whether that is socially whether it is whatever right whatever in your relationship like doing difficult things because you know that those difficult things are going to lead to a better outcome they're going to lead to a better future in whatever direction right i think that that needs to be normalized that needs to be okay we need to have those you know public collective conversations and say this is what we all should be doing whether everyone does that makes the decision is up to them that is totally their decision but we all should agree that we know what the quote-unquote best thing to do if everyone were doing these things then the outcomes would collectively be better for everyone right if we all exercised if we all ate more nutritious diets if we all drank enough water during the day if we all had enough micronutrients and vitamins in our diets if we all you know walked 10,000 steps every day if we all you know called our friends out on their bullshit if we all read two hours every morning before going to work like all those things right we all understand that these are good things for us but not everyone has a desire to improve themselves in all of these different capacities that's again totally okay but I think that we should also feel very comfortable having those conversations with people whenever they're clearly deficient in some capacity, right? If you were being a complete piece of shit to M, I would feel very comfortable going to you and be like, Chris, you're being a fucking shitty boyfriend, bro. Or again, if I was being a dick to you all the time, you should be like, bro, you're being a horrible fucking business partner. You're really dragging me down. I do not want to continue like this because I, you're, you're fucking making it difficult for me to work with you and you're impacting my, my money, right? Like, fuck you. So that's totally okay. Like those are good conversations to have. But all of a sudden, whenever you tell someone, "Hey, you're 40 BMI, your your cholesterol is this, your blood pressure is this, your body fat percentage is this," this is very unhealthy. All of a sudden, like that's almost a no-no conversation, right? Like we we feel like we can't have those conversations because it potentially is going to lead people to like shame about their body image and their and lack of body positivity in that sense right i i don't think that there's anything wrong with being like objective about a situation and you and i've had this conversation many times about like being very rational being very logical trying to exclude emotions from whatever conversations that we're having and just approach it objectively right and whenever you're telling people those things i think that that inevitably should lead to the direction of you need to rectify this situation somehow because it's going to make your life much better much easier much more enjoyable to live if you go from 40 bmi to 20 bmi right you're going to feel so much better you're going to be able to go outside and walk and go travel and sit in a fucking airplane 
comfortably, right? Like those are going to be good things for you. You're not going to die at 50. Maybe you'll live to 70, 75, 80. Who fucking knows? Your family will be able to like, you know, get to know you rather than you just kicking the bucket. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think that those are conversations that should be had. And I, I think that working hard in every aspect and facet of life is good. That should be celebrated. I, I don't like as much as I can give people shit, like I love giving people shit. And I think that's okay. We should also normalize giving people shit and making fun of people for every, everything, everything, even if it is like, you know, satirically, right? Like I, I can is healing, bro. Huh? comedy is healing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's just trauma. Um, but I, I think that that all should be celebrated. Like if you are someone who is like very driven in work professionally, that that's a good thing. If you're someone who is very driven in the gym and fitness and like, you every time you go to the restaurant, you're like, or to a restaurant, you're like, you know what? Can you not cook this in butter and oils? Like, I prefer to just have like plain chicken breast and vegetables. Rather than everyone at the table giving that person dirty looks and be like, look at this fucking guy over here. Like, that, no, like that person is actually making good choices. You know, like that is a good choice. It's totally up to them to make. And their choices are probably better than like the flatbread that you just ordered and like the chips and salsa that you've been like dunking your head in since you got to this restaurant, right? Like, Again, we all objectively know what the right decisions to make are, but whenever people are making better decisions than us, it's so much easier for us to look at those people and be like, fuck them. Like they're, they're taking this way too seriously. They're taking life way too seriously. They should just chill a bit, have a little bit more fun because it's easier for us to like internalize how other people are further than we are in whatever domain that we're talking about, whether it's again, professionally, socially, um, you know, physically, whatever. Um, but go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, again, I think that like, um, there just needs to be this understanding and this normalization of being able to work hard across many different domains and push yourself. If you just get comfortable doing that in one area of your life, like again, let's say you just start tracking your, your calories. If you start tracking your food, you start walking eight to 10,000 steps a day. That's, that's your sole goal. All of a sudden it will become so much easier to go to the gym three to four times a week and start paying attention to that. All of a sudden, that will lead you towards, okay, you know what? I, I have energy now. I feel so much better. I feel more confident. Let me put myself out there a little bit more like socially. Let me see where I can like, you know, maybe get like a relationship. But I feel so much better, more confident about myself now. Let me push myself professionally as well. Like there's a cascading effect to how these things work is again, kind of fucking lame as that sounds in a lot of ways. It is true, right? Like people who are incredibly confident, even in their own body image, like in their own health, or, you know, professionally, whatever, right? Like people know that they've got the goods. It's so much easier to spread that shit around in every area, but it really starts with just one spot. Like if you can start working hard in one area, typically like physically, I found is the easiest, like work hard physically. It's just so much easier to work hard in other areas of your life. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that you finally, I was waiting for you to get to this point of just like yeah, the, right, right. The, the, the East part. It's like, because I, I've joked before, and I believe this firmly, that like we could solve, and I say solve loosely, just because there's not a better term for it, a lot of what I believe to be the the homeless uh, frequency, like homelessness, the frequency of homelessness, the, a lot of those people, homeless people by focusing on their health as opposed to trying to give them money or places to sleep and stuff like that. Fitness. I like there's a um there's a movie 
called Love and Other Drugs, I'm pretty sure, where the guy's a farm rep. It's a really good movie. You and Lex should watch it. It's pretty great. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's a farm rep, and to get his pills in this doctor's office, um, which essentially I believe is like focused pills or antidepressants, one of the two, he dumps the company that he's competing against this shit in the dumpster, right? And so all of a sudden, this homeless guy who's just like diving and taking this shit starts taking these meds, but starts getting in shape, take care of himself and stuff like that. And so I think it speaks to, like you said, the, the mentality that comes with feeling confident and good enough to continue to get better at everything else in your life. Like I joke that like, you don't need to buy as expensive clothes when you feel good in a Hanes t-shirt, right? If you put a Hanes t-shirt on and you're jacked and you feel good, like you don't need the Gucci shirt. You don't need the Nike shirt because like, dude, I look just as good as you do because I put an investment in something that's going to stick around a lot longer than this shirt's going to get dirty today. You said that people might not want to, or that might not aspire to those things, and that's okay. And I'm like, it is okay if that's truly a lack of an aspiration, right? Like, I was like, in my head, I'm like, I aspire to inspire. I want people to see me and want to do better for themselves. And while inspiring, I still continue to aspire. I still want more. I still want to be better, right? But like, it's that cycle, it just keeps running. I think what happens is just like we've seen clients come in and there's this zeal, this hoorah, and then that motivation wall hits, right? And typically it hits because either results don't come fast enough or it's a lot harder than they thought or a combination of both. I think if you told everyone, you could be as fit as you want to be like this. I don't know if anyone would be like, oh, I like being fat. Yeah. You could be as smart as you want to be like this. I don't like knowing things. It's the work and the effort that goes in, which again comes back to like, you got to do the hard shit if you want to get better at anything. Well, it's like we all struggle with delayed gratification and fitness, I think, is the ultimate delayed gratification. Um, you know, with diet, there's a pretty quick feedback loop. Like you start eating better, you start drinking more water, like you start having regular shits, you're probably going to feel a lot better than you did yesterday or like last week. With training, it's it's almost like it's a negative feedback at first. You're like, holy fuck, I'm so sore. I don't want to be doing this. I'm so out of shape. I can't breathe. Fuck this. I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. My entire body is like creaky and clicky and cracky and poppy and achy. And like that, I think that's where it's difficult to get a lot of people immediately into the gym. But I also think that's where a lot of people think about it too far. Like they, they overthink that, right? And again, this is, I think, a failure on, on like the industry and the way that we put forth what needs to be done to become more fit. Whenever it comes to training or whenever it comes to physical activity, like I swear to God, if you walk 10,000 steps a day, you will be healthy. Like you will be about as healthy as you need to be to, to live a comfortable and fulfilling life. You do not need to go to the gym if you don't want to go to the gym. Like, just be active. Stand on your feet for more than a few hours a day. Walk around. You know, be flexible. Be able to move your body through space. You don't have to be able to squat 500 pounds for reps. Like, that's not what needs to happen. Granted, we we should have strong bodies. But there's a lot of different ways to get strong bodies that don't necessarily involve weightlifting. Yoga is a great example of this. If you do yoga and you like yoga, fucking do yoga. You don't have to go to the gym if you don't want to go to the gym. You can do calisthenics. You can do gymnastics. Like 
that I've seen gymnasts who have never picked up a weight in their life who are stronger than I am. And that is a hundred percent fact. That's totally okay with me. It hurts a little bit, but it's okay. But like at the same time, if I, if I were to like eat like absolute dog shit every single day and I were going to the gym, training my ass off and I'm like, oh my God, I feel horrible. I feel absolutely terrible. I can't think. I can't put a sentence together. I have no energy. I'm so sore all the time. I would be confused as to why that was happening. I would immediately be able to pinpoint the issue. And I think in a similar vein, um, we can very clearly see what the issue is with a lot of people whenever it comes to training specifically is there is a massively steep introductory curve, right? Like most people just do not want to go to the gym and suffer through that like beginner phase of, I don't know what I'm doing. Everything hurts. I'm uncomfortable. I, I don't want people looking at me in the gym. I don't want these like fucking gym bros screaming right beside me and dripping sweat onto me. It's just a very uncomfortable, like primal environment to be intimidating in the gym. You know? So again, I think that we've done a really shitty job of making physical fitness accessible to everyone and, and inclusive for everyone. You know, again, think that diet is extremely inclusive because it's you can do it on your own you know like you can do it at home and generally diet has a much better more positive connotation with it even though it's kind of going the other way now like a lot of people are anti-diet but just nutrition right nutrition in general just eating relatively quote-unquote healthy most people understand that that is a really low-hanging fruit if you just want to feel better and live longer um but the gym is it's still somewhat negative like even i have negative connotations about the gym like i don't want to go to any commercial gym because i just don't want to be in around that shit right like i don't want to be around goobers and stuff that are going to throw their weights and leave their shit racked all day like no i'm good um but for me you know i i think that we can do a lot better job putting physical activity in in a light that makes it more accessible and makes it less intimidating to most people and also doesn't feel so rigid to the point where if you're not capable of going to a commercial gym six times a week and dedicating two hours to each of those sessions that you just might as well give up because I don't know how many conversations you've had with clients where they're like, I just, I can't do this. I feel like I'm a failure. I want to quit. Like this is just so difficult for me. I can't get it done with my schedule. And like, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, you know, we can just go from five days a week to four days a week. Right. Right. You know, we can shorten your sessions down to 35, 45 minutes. Be right. Spence in there. It's like, why, like, why did someone tell you or did someone tell you like years ago that you have to train at least five days a week to make progress or you have to, you know, do delts and glutes on their own day to, to grow your delts and glutes or, you know, you have to be in the gym, do two hours of, of hard, high intensity work to be able to do anything or get any progress from that. It's like people just have these horribly, horribly overinflated ideas of what is like minimally effective to make really really good progress long term in the gym and it's just it's just like a titrated approach right i know that we've gone a long way from like where we started with like people don't train hard enough but um i I think that a good point here is that like hard enough is extremely relative and it's honestly a pretty low barrier it's a pretty low barrier for a lot of people um, like the minimal threshold for, I would say probably like 80% of the population is literally walking a little bit more every day, right? You walk 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 steps a day, your life is going to significantly improve for the population that we're talking about. You just learn how to fucking train appropriately 
from a low, like a young training age, like we're again, beginner, intermediate, do shit correctly, learn how to actually modulate and control your intensity, learn proper technique. You'll be so far ahead of everyone by the time you're actually advanced that none of this shit will even matter. Right. None of it will matter. None of the the details that we're talking about here, everything will just wash away and you'll be able to handle your shit. But most people just cannot take the time to learn absolute minimum details necessary. The overwhelm, right? Yeah. And I went earlier, like it's the taboo of everything, right? So the taboo keeps us silent. So the real knowledge isn't matriculated, right? So what happens is the person who might train at Planet Fitness is overweight and maybe kind of just ashamed or embarrassed. They're getting their information from some fit influencer or some magazine that says, here's what you need to do to be fit. And it's this like grocery list of things that are like, oh, as opposed to saying, hey, let me talk to someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Um, but that requires the actual broach in that conversation. Like, can I go to my mom, to my like aunt and say, hey, I love you. And I want to make sure that you see my future kids. Um, so like, let's talk about the habits that you can employ. And no, it's not, you don't have to do what I'm doing. You have to do what my clients are doing. Like you're on your feet all day. Great. Like instead, let's take some of that time and let's go walk. Oh, great. You're at home. You're watching TV. Let's just knock out some planks. Let's start doing some push-ups at home. Like, let's just get your body moving. Let's get you some bands, some stuff. Like, you can play a fucking game. There's a lot of things you can do because, again, to our point earlier, your body just knows stimulus. It knows what it's known. It knows it's, it's homeostatic space. And then it knows what's different. And different is what's going to change it and hopefully in a positive direction. Removing that taboo from things like you talked about earlier in conversations, like me being able to talk to you as a business partner and say, I don't like that idea. Really, really easy, right? For some people, not me, and I know you and I have talked about this, money is taboo in business. Saying, hey, man, I think that I should get this. I think you should get this. I think that we should pay that person. Money always it makes everyone sticky. And it's like, for some reason, it's still a part of business, right? In relationships with friends, it gets kind of sticky. Certain things with their other relationships or how they're doing this rather than that. Like We try to find our space in the middle as opposed to just saying, hey, like, if I can tell you that what you did made me really happy, why can't I tell you that what you did kind of fucked me over emotionally as well? Like it's the same space. It's the other side of the coin. But for some reason, I feel like I have to protect you in this space. You know, it's the same thing in like relationships. I can tell you, hey, babe, I want you to do the dishes. Hey, can you help me with, you know, the dog? But if I say, hey, like sexually, I'd really like to try this. I'd like to try that. It's taboo because it's like, wait a second, hold on. Like we're getting into those soft spaces and that's what obesity is. That's what, you know, the lower end of the spectrum and physical fitness is. It's like, well, telling someone this because of all the shame and embarrassment that has come both externally, internally, it, it presents itself as this taboo thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, she's not fat. She's big. Oh, they're not this. They, that's just their bone structure. They're just, and it's like, okay, sure. Anatomy. Everyone's got a different one. We understand that. But objectively, this person is overweight and objectively they're taking years off their life. And if they want, which I'm assuming they want to live as long as possible with as much good quality of life as possible, if you want that, like there are steps that they need to take and we can't continue to say, you're fantastic as you are. You are. You're great. You're a fantastic person. You're fantastic as you are today. Do you want to be fantastic in 20 years? Because if so, things have to change. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, it's just like, it just depends on how serious people are about like broaching a conversation too. Like 
if you're dancing around it, you're probably not that serious, right? It's probably not that big of an issue yet. But, you know, if someone is terminal, if someone is like clearly declining and they're like, you know what, you have five years to live if you do not fix something or a relationship is terminal, all of a sudden those like sexual conversations where you're like, you know, babe, like, I think I'm just like really thinking about we should try some different stuff in the bedroom one of these days, maybe if you're open to it. And then that turns to, we need to be fucking different. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to end, right? Like you become very explicit in how you're talking about stuff. Whenever, whenever shit, like whenever shit starts getting serious, you know? So like, yeah, right now we might dance around the, the issue of, of obesity and being overweight and being unhealthy as, you know, not fat, just big, you know, it's genetics, which there is definitely a genetic component. Um, and, and that's all fine and dandy but if it becomes a serious issue that person is no longer big they're obese they're morbidly obese and morbid has a certain connotation with it that you don't want to fall under right like that is not a good classification so i i think that if we just approach the problems pragmatically that we're that we're presented with right say okay this is, may not be a problem right now, but clearly it's trending in that direction. If this shit continues, we need to be honest with how serious the situation potentially is going to be. Because if we solve it right now, if we attempt to solve it right now or take those steps, it's no longer an issue by the time it potentially becomes a really serious thing. If we wait until it becomes a serious thing to start taking these steps and taking it serious, then we're fucked. Yeah. And we can't, we can't go back on it, right? And honestly, I, this is a completely separate article that I wrote, but like the, the semaglutide stuff, right? Um, so I wrote an article for anyone who doesn't know about semaglutide, which most people know is like Ozempic and like all these like just different designer drugs that are coming out, GLP-1 tag or agonists, excuse me, that basically help regulate blood sugar, diabetes, things like that. But also they have the secondary benefit of you just lose a lot of body weight, which is pretty fucking dope. Um, and a lot of people are very much like, well, you know, it has side effects. So I don't think that we should be, you know, telling people to take it in like, it's just, it's dangerous. Why would we, why would we trust like a pharmaceutical drug and add something else, another variable to the situation seems unnecessary when people can just go out there and diet and, and train and, and they can just get healthy like that. And to me, that always pisses me off because I'm like, that's so fucking short-sighted. That's you speaking from a position that I hate to say it like this of privilege, not everyone is lucky enough to be able to just go and diet a little bit and watch what they eat here and there and you know, maybe go to the gym here and there and all of a sudden they're healthy. Like most people, or not most people, but some people just aren't, they don't have that luxury. So pharmaceutical drugs that can actually help them, even if they do come with some side effects, it's it's a, a cost benefit analysis. You say, yeah. what is the risk of doing this? Okay, the risk is I might have an upset an upset tummy for a bit. But what is the reward? Oh, the reward is I might actually live for 20 years longer and have a much better quality of life because I went from morbidly obese to just overweight. Right. Well, that's a pretty fucking good trade-off if you ask me. Yeah. So all the people that are like damning these types of drugs, they're like, well, people are just going to use it for cosmetic purposes. Well, yeah, no fucking shit, dude. No shit. They're going to use, use it for cosmetic purposes. People use everything the wrong way. Like... We don't, we don't say that just because 
fucking someone can OD on on aspirin, or there are certain people out there that are like abusing Benadryl. We don't say that, oh, like there's no use for this, or we should just like, you know, damn it. Granted, that's a stretched analogy, but I think the point here is that like you have to understand again the cost benefit, the risk or reward of whatever it is you're doing. And if someone is starting to drift far out on that that risk spectrum of whatever their lifestyle currently is, they have to take more extreme measures to get themselves back into that healthy spectrum of where they should be, whether that is more severe nutrition inter- like uh, interventions or physical activity or you know even surgeries, right? Or maybe we just avoid surgery and we take some dope ass designer prescription drug that is seemingly super efficate. No, that's not the word. Efficacious? Is that the word I'm looking for? I think that works. Whatever. Anyway, my brain is getting tired. But yes, I think that in general, um, we, we just need to stop looking at things so black and white. And we need to stop being so worried about hurting certain people's feelings and how we're discussing serious conversations. Um, the seriousness of the conversation is obviously a huge determining factor in like the language and uh, the tone that you use in broaching those conversations. But whenever it comes to people's health, whenever it comes to like, hey, this is a longevity issue, this is a health issue, this is a quality of life issue, um, you need to take it seriously. You need to figure this shit out. You need to get your diet, nutrition, your physical activity in check so you can actually you know, live a little bit longer. I don't think that we need to mix words about that. Well, I mean, it's easy. Like, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. But like, yeah. To your, you don't have to mix the. I, I think that's it. Always throws me off. Like when people convolute or make things more complex in the communication aspect, right? Like I've been accused before of being callous or cold or lacking empathy, and I'm like, dude, no, I have a very strong sense of empathy. Actually, it's the only reason I can read people and work with people so well and kind of fit into a room. However, like simple and easy are not synonyms, right? So like. The simple thing is you are overweight and it is taking away from your quality of life and possibly length of length of life, right? That's simple. The road is probably hard. The conversation is probably hard, both for the person giving it and the person receiving it. But the idea is simple. There is no thing to mix around there where you can bring the, the empathetic portion, where you can bring the compassion is when you're saying, hey, here are the simple brass, like, facts right that i want to share with you and that are hurting your feelings i'm sure that i don't feel good however the reason why i'm even sharing them with you is because i fucking love you i want you to live you're a stranger but i want your family because they fucking love you like there's the there's the empathy there's the compassion and i think we get mixed up well, let's hurt their feelings it's like okay well let's just fucking kill them i guess right like it's fine let them die like that, that, that's the alternative is like we just won't say anything right like if the world is burning behind one of my friends, I could tell him, hey man, like, here's some shit. You've been betrayed by that person, or you've been this, or you've been that, and that's gonna hurt. Or I can watch the world just burn up behind him and go, oh, I mean, I saw it coming, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. You know, and so removing that taboo and being able to have those hard conversations, especially when it comes down to the health of our loved ones, of our community, the examples we set for young kids that are growing up that are being diagnosed or I guess classified as obese at earlier and early ages, earlier and earlier ages at a much higher um, proliferation, right? There's a lot more of them. You know, that is alarming. And it's something that like, we can't keep 
playing in this like, well, we just want everyone to feel good. It's like, well, growth happens in uncomfortable situations and we need those. Yep. I, I think we can end on that. Um, again, my brain is tired. So we don't have, I have to well, the way I figured it is like we, uh, we have a lot of Instagram material here for Ben. He can chop this and play with this and we can yeah. obviously have a, a launching pad for other forum-esque type topics, taboos and whatnot. So we thank you all for tuning in to this very, very lengthy and hopefully Ben will edit uh podcast part one and two, probably necessary here. Um, we'll probably do these, you know, you said like once, once a, a month, Bryce and I, where we tackle articles, tackle uh, new trading findings, et cetera, and just kind of like dive into those uh, more as like a, a resource for you guys, something instead of you having to you know, go and read all the articles you could listen to in the car and things like that. So um, thanks for tuning in. Skip through, find the cool parts, highlight, let us know what you think, and um, we'll keep you posted on the next time. Beautiful. I guess.